StartupRad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. This is still, again, a recording in the time of coronavirus in partial lockdown. Down. I'm here from my current study and I do have a guest who's with me remote via Skype. I would like to welcome Dorian. How you doing? Hi, all good here. Thank you very much. Thank you for making the time. If you are new to our channel, make sure you like and subscribe. Down here in the show notes, you will also find not only the link to the website of Energy Robotics, but also to the private LinkedIn profile of Dorian. That said, Dorian, I've seen you've been an academic guy all your life. How did you end up working on robots? I actually started about 15 years ago working on robots. Um, and what piqued my interest there was at first the uh, soccer world championship for robots. And this is something I started as, as a student and we actually became with our team multiple world champion in robotic soccer. That was start during my early study years and I continued in this area and also did my PhD in elect robotics, walking robots later on. And that brought me then in the end also to my uh, founding of our company that we have energy robotics now. Is that really a thing, robotic soccer? Yes, certainly. Uh, it's a great competition. Um, the biggest competition in the world is called RoboCup, and they run uh, competitions every year in multiple categories. Uh, one, for example, is uh, two-legged robots playing soccer against each other in teams. Uh, and we played, for example, with this guy behind me here. The, uh, he's called Bruno. And with him, we played three-on-three uh, -three soccer against other teams from around the world. And we won the world championship with this robot twice. And, but also with four-legged robots and there's other robots competitions where it's not so much about soccer, but other areas like search and rescue, for example, where they have competitions um, of teams trying to explore um, unknown areas. For example, after an earthquake has hit an area, they need to make new maps um, of this area. And so they try with robots to explore and find victims in an unknown uh, area. Uh, just to make sure, when you won this World Cup, there was actually a World Cup, so there have been multiple teams from different continents, and it was not just you and another university here from Germany, right? Right. It's actually running every year. The RoboCup is um, ha uh, having a World Championship every year around the world. Uh, it's going to be interesting what they're going to be doing this year since the corona uh, shutdown. It's going to be uh, quite obstructive with that. But usually uh, teams from around the world travel to different uh, areas um, to have this competition. And uh, depending on the uh, competition, there are usually uh, between 10 and 20 teams coming from around the world to participate in each category. So, sorry, just out of pure curiosity, before we get to the next topic, did you give your uh, robot players cute names like Thomas Müller or Müller Robot or something? Uh, something similar. Actually, this guy, as I said, is called Bruno. And this name Bruno came from the uh, soccer player in Darmstadt, Bruno Labbadia. Uh, so he was named after one of the soccer players in our hometown, uh, the Darmstadt University. <laughs> 
<laughs> Love it. Just great. Okay, so um, I never thought I'll have somebody in my interview interviews here who won the Soccer World Cup. Very glad to have you here. Um, but let's get uh, down to business. You are right now the co-founder of a robotics company, which is not surprising given your history. Um, can you tell us a little bit how you got there and uh, what you guys are actually doing? Because we met at an event back in December 2019 at Technical University Darmstadt. And I actually do believe I took a very nice picture through one of the lenses of your robots, right? Correct, yeah. Um, well, as I said, we came from this uh, robotic soccer area, which was a very interesting start for me personally. Uh, I had lots of fun doing that, but also the topics were quite interesting from a scientific point of view for robotics. Uh, having robots uh, play soccer in a dynamic changing environment with only their onboard computational power, so quite limited, but they had to do it completely autonomous. So they had to have quite some uh, artificial intelligence on board. And um, yeah, in this RoboCup uh, com competition, there were others, uh, other competitions, other categories like the search and rescue area. And this is where uh, one of my co-founders, Stefan Kohlbrecher, was quite active in. He was the team leader from our team Hector. Um, for a couple of years uh, and he participated with this in a lot of these competitions for search and rescue robots um, and this is what, has, what brought us in the end uh, to a more uh, to robots that are more for um, yeah, harsh environments uh, and then we found this competition which was called the Total Argos Challenge uh, by the oil and, French oil and gas company Total and they had an international competition where they wanted robots to perform autonomous inspection of oil and gas sites, especially offshore oil and gas sites. Um, this competition took place uh, from 2014 to 2017 um, with three competitions, uh, one each year. Uh, and the final competition in 2017 uh, with our team Argonauts at that time, we won this competition. So this is how we got into this area and we kind of stuck in this uh, particular field. Uh, we're now doing with our company Energy Robotics uh, autonomous soft uh, robots for um, inspection of oil and gas sites mostly, but also other hazardous environments. Let us for our viewers and our visitors, because most people are not familiar with that. So there are very remote platforms in the very northern North Sea around Europe um, and other very remote places that are actually functioning functioning autonomous or semi-autonomous and the oil and gas companies try to minimize the contact with them. They want to have it running as smooth, as secure, as autonomous as possible. That said, you then have a little robot that is running around those, I assume, very gigantic platforms all the time. How, how would you, I, or a listener out there who may be only listening to this interview, how would they have to imagine that scene? Okay. Yeah, um, so the robots we are uh, deploying to these kind of sites, uh, offshore as well as onshore sites, are usually tracked robots. So they have rubber tracks, one of each on each side, uh, which they can use to uh, drive forward, but also to skid steer and turn in place by 
running them in opposite directions. What these robots usually carry as a payload is a, a set of cameras to perform visual inspection. So they can use these cameras to take video feeds, uh, but also take high resolution HDR uh, photos of certain areas that are interesting. Uh, plus these robots can carry a lot of uh, additional payloads depending on the actual use case for each customer. So they can have, for example, gas sensors. Um, these gas sensors usually sniff the air for uh, chemicals and they will provide you with a concentration measurement. So you can see how much concentration of a specific gas is, is in the area where the robot is running around. And that helps you to um, basically map a whole area, map a whole plant or such an offshore platform uh, with gas levels. And then you can uh, understand where a gas leak, for example, on the site might be occurring, where the highest levels are. And that helps you in understanding the operation of your site and uh, helps you to uh, predict when you need to do the next maintenance run. When the gas leaks are getting bigger, you might have a problem. You might even have to do an emergency uh, procedure to help with the gas leaks. And this is what these robots provide, but they can also carry other sensors like uh, infrared cameras to see heat sources uh, or even cameras to visually detect uh, gas leaks. So you can actually visualize a gas leaking out of a um, valve into the air and you can visually see these gases leaking out. When I'm imagining this right now, so there's somewhere in the very northern North Sea, very close uh, to where you frequently see ice on the ocean, there is a big platform that is there to trail for gas. And um, on a regular basis, there's a very cute little robot running around and sniffing for gas. And in case it finds something, it phones home and somebody uh, takes over the camera and looks around. Is is that something how you could imagine that? Yeah, that is very close to what we're actually doing. The robot can perform complete autonomous operations. So you can uh, just let it roam, do its inspection rounds completely autonomous for, uh, for weeks going on. Um, and if there's something out of the ordinary, it will report that back to the supervisor and the supervisor can take control of the robot Uh, which is remotely, so the um, the supervisor can do that from wherever around the world he is uh, and can then remotely lock into this robot, drive it to specific locations, look at specific things even more closely to understand what is going on. So it's a combination of an autonomous inspection vehicle and a remote presence tool. And I think I found the title of this interview, Meet Energy Robotics, they're building a sniffing robot. <laughs> um, That said, we are talking not only here because you have this product, but also um, I do imagine there are like thousands of opportunities where it could run around, sniff, search for anything. Would that be possible? How could you adapt? What are you thinking? What are you theorizing is possible with this tool? Maybe one thing to clarify, um, our company Energy Robotics It's um, very much focused on the software for these robots to make them autonomous, to make them uh, remotely operatable. Um, the hardware itself for the oil and gas market comes from our um, business partner, EX Robotics. They produce the hardware and we obviously can use our software on different kinds of robots. So for different applications, we can uh, implement different robot hardware to perform these operations. Um, there's uh, obviously a lot of robot hardware platforms around the world. Some are becoming more and more popular, 
even in mainstream media. And obviously, we've looked into a lot of these robots to use them as uh, hardware platforms for other applications. And we certainly um, have some use cases, some cases with other customers that are not in the oil and gas industry, but are also interested in employing similar technologies to their use case, uh, where it's not so much about, uh, as you say, sniffing of uh, gas leaks, but it could very well be to do visual inspection of industrial sites or even to patrol um, the industrial site uh, to prevent any intruders coming in. That would be something I had in mind, not only like looking for uh, human intruders, but also scaring away the raccoons. <laughs> yeah, uh, the robots are sometimes quite noisy, so they might very well already do that. That is pretty interesting. Um, so you guys are called Energy Robotics, but you're actually a software company. Um, what do you guys are running on? So what are the requirements if somebody out there who's interested in robotics, maybe have a robotics startups themselves, what would be the requirements to put your software on their hardware? So our software can be run on uh, very many different platforms. Um, as I said earlier, we started from the soccer playing robots, went over to um, search and rescue robots, but also in industrial inspection and we've run it on a lot of different kinds of robots. So we've made um, quite an effort to put hardware abstraction, one of our key features. So we can run our high level software on a lot of different low level platforms. Um, and then again, depending on the existing hardware that someone might have, we are able to either provide only high-level software uh, starting from a high abstraction point, or we can also go deep into the robots themselves and provide uh, low-level uh, support for low-level software, which we've done with a lot of robots already. Um, in the end, we're providing a full software stack from uh, anything that's running on the robot itself, um, making the robot move, making the robot do intelligent decisions, uh, acquiring data and so forth, to sending this data to the cloud, doing post-processing in the cloud of the data, and also giving the end users, the customers, um, a user-friendly user interface where they can use and supervise their robots right in the browser so they don't need to install any additional software on their uh, company uh, laptops. They can just open a browser, go to our web application, and log into the robots they own and um, program new missions there, supervise the missions they're doing, and get the resulting data from these missions. Mm, I would be curious how complicated is it, like, as you said, to program a new mission for a robot? That depends very much on the uh, amount of sensors your robot has. So depending on how many degrees of freedom you have to uh, program them, it can be a bit more complex. But in general, we're providing a very user-friendly interface that allows an easy um, waypoint-based uh, mission interface. So you can program the robot to go to specific waypoints on your site, uh, acquire a certain uh, set of data, for example, video feeds, um, photos, Uh, audio recordings, uh, thermal camera images, things like that, and then report them back. And at the same time, while the robot is doing its autonomous rounds, it records the uh, path it has been running and records um, the, whole, uh, um, the whole path back to the site. So you can get an overview of a map from your site where all these recorded data, images, and videos are then shown in this map. Um, alongside with the gas readings, for example, with gas measurements. 
I see. So it's very easy if uh, some engineer is quite bored to program a, a robot to go around the platform. Uh, once around, he dances a Macarena. Second way around, he dances a Vienna Walt. If the robot is capable of that, that will be doable with your platform, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> glad, glad we are talking about this. Um, by the way, I was while you were talking, I was looking around a little bit, and turns out there is actually footage of a robot World Cup soccer match, which I'll share in the blog post as well. If you um, go down here in the show notes. As we said, not only to find a website, your LinkedIn profile, but also footage from the uh, Robot Soccer World Cup, which which is quite funny because they're very small and very cute robots. Um, that said, what are you guys currently looking for? Are you guys looking for new employees, new financing, or are you just waiting how COVID develops right now? And second question, how did the coronavirus so far impact your startup? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. We get that quite often. Uh, first, maybe on the coronavirus. So um, it has impacted uh, certainly some areas. But for us, as we are providing basically a remote presence service, so our robots allow our customers to be present on a site without actually traveling there. So that is actually a solution that in current times is quite convenient for some customers. And we've received some feedback of our existing customers that they are very happy to be able to remotely visit some of their sites without having to drive there, uh, which makes things a lot easier at the moment. Um, on your other question, what we're looking for, uh, for once we're looking for investors at the moment. So we're doing our seed round now, uh, looking for 1 million euros. Um, we're talking with investors right now. So if you're interested, please contact me. Um, And obviously, for scaling up, what we're doing at the moment is also looking for uh, new employees in the area of um, robotics engineering, but also in web technologies. In what technologies? Uh, web technologies. So anything from uh, web user interfaces to uh, web backend software, server software. Um, yeah. Ah, now I get it. Um. That said, um, basically, that was everything I want to know from you guys. Um, first, don't miss uh, watching the uh, Robot Soccer World Cup, uh, dear audience, this year, if it takes place. And secondly, keep in mind, there are sniffing robots around. Thank you very much for the interview. It was just a pleasure having you here. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.